0: Never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee, to get through the day, and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Living Easy podcast. This is Lindsay Maestas, and today I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest, Andy Dooley. Andy is an NFL Seattle Seahawks host, pastor, husband, and father of four who is passionate about building a family of faith, which is also the title of your new book. Andy, congratulations on your book launch!
2: Thank you so much. It's super exciting, and I'm yeah. honored to be on.
1: Yeah. Thanks for being here. So tell me a little bit about um, the journey for you of launching a book. Has it been nerve wracking? I feel like whenever I launch a new project, I just feel like I'm hyperventilating all the time, <laughs> the, <laughs> the nerves and the stress, but it's also so exciting to see what God can do. So how have you felt in the process? You know
2: what? There's been a litany of different types of emotions Yeah, because this process, once I received the deal, My father went into the hospital with um, COVID. So I couldn't tell them yet because obviously we're worried about him and he's on a ventilator.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. Immediately.
2: Thank you. Yeah, immediately as soon he goes to the hospital. Then he's on a ventilator for 31 days and they're saying it's not looking good. And my father had signed a living will saying Mm -hmm. that he didn't want the trick because that's like the last effort for them. And my mom had the... Last say at the end of the day, and she wanted to do whatever she could to, you know, prolong his life. Mm -hmm. So they put him in like an assisted living area. And long story short, I talk about this actually in the book. It's a chapter called Loss, a devotion called Loss, and he and he didn't make it. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. So it was rough in the beginning. In the sense, you receive this book deal, great news. Can't wait to tell your family, but then it was almost for a while there. I just forgot about it. Mm. I had to go through this, lay him to rest on September 11th and mm-hmm. then gear up, just get my mind right to write. And then once I got started, it was, I felt like I just fell into a zone and God was just downloading and speaking to me and I can see I I can see families visually as I was writing. So it was like, I was really just honing in, talking to some of the people I came in contact with, people that I haven't even met yet that are possibly listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. But God was really just speaking to me, using me on this project. And I wrote it in seven weeks. So Mm -hmm. it just happened to be just one one of those times where once you get into it, It just flowed. I enjoy writing. I love the the creativity that comes in with writing, and I felt like my dad, you know, was definitely along for this journey. I dedicated the book to him and my family, and you know, it's been a process, but I cannot believe we're here now. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, I I truly am. I mean, I my heart just like it just aches. That makes me so emotional. I can't imagine. I mean, that's so fresh for you still. Mm -hmm. Um. And, you know, I know this isn't fully the topic we were or are going to be addressing, but I would love to hear from you. This is something my husband, Jesse, and I talk about a lot. You know, it's like you can't ever prepare to lose a parent. You can't ever um, get into a place where you're like, okay, this is how I will handle it. And as you talk about building a family of faith, can you share just a little bit? You don't need to dive fully in, but just a little bit as to how your wife has maybe helped you or maybe the things that you didn't even realize would be difficult for you in the grieving process as Mm -hmm. a faithful family, like for people who haven't lost a parent, how has the grief maybe impacted your home? And what are some of the things that have helped?
2: Great question. I think the biggest thing was our family is close. My wife and I are four kids. We're a close-knit family. Mm-hmm. And we value that. And one of the things that truly helped, this is crazy, is that my wife lost her father 10 months prior to oh. my father. Wow. And so, obviously, she could empathize. She could understand. And to be honest, I'm still... I'm still believing that this is real right now, because when it happened, mm-hmm. I was working, had to leave work, go to Ohio, meet up with my family, take care of business, lay my father the rest, then come back. And I really jumped right back into work yeah. and I hadn't really had a ton of time to grieve but I'm also different in the sense of you have to be okay with giving yourself the time that's needed and grieve the way that you grieve, you know, don't let anyone force you and push you into thinking that there's one way for you to grieve or to do it. And for me, you know, it's going to be a journey Mm -hmm. and my wife's alongside me as we are for each other. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like the biggest thing is that I could give my wife a hug. I could give my kids a hug and tell them that I love them uh, and enjoy every moment. You hear it all the time and it could almost sound cliche, but genuinely I know when I'm sitting there working and the kids bust through the doors and come through and I'm like, you want to initially be like, guys, leave us alone. We got to do this. We got yeah. <laughs> to do that. But I try to take advantage of those little moments, hear their question If it's applicable to what's going on, awesome. If I can take care of it, answer it, I will. And I'll show them love, give them a hug, kiss them, and then be like, hey, daddy's working. I'll get back to you. I just don't want to miss these moments or take them for granted because once someone that close to you or a father or family member is gone, they're gone. Mm -hmm. I know you hear it all the time. They're watching over you. They're still here. But you still miss the physical interaction. Mm -hmm. Nothing yeah. replaces that physical interaction. The fact that my book just came out, it would have been awesome to hear my dad's voice tell me, son, I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hear that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would just say, take your time. And it's no matter what, my father had you know, some health issues as well, but you can't really, really prepare for, you can prepare for them, Possibly knowing that they're going to pass away because some people have a, a date, or depending on their ailment. Right. But you can't prepare for when they're actually really gone. Because mm-hmm. then you really feel, wow, I can't call him. I can't talk to him. There's times I want to text. I can't text him. I mm-hmm. still haven't removed his number out of my phone in my favorites list because it, I just can't do it right now. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And there's this. I don't know if you listen to country music. Do you like country music?
2: There's a couple songs. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> myself to anything as long as like it's as
1: good? Yeah. <laughs> um, but there is one song and it's it has really resonated with me. I wish I had it. I'll I'll link it in my show notes. But um it it talks about that. Like something like call call your mom or dad because you never know when the time will come that you want to, and you're not able to do so. And I think that there's, there's that level of just thinking that we're so invincible and our parents are invincible Mm -hmm. and we know it, we know it's coming and we know that it's bound to happen, especially as we get older. My husband and I were in our early thirties and it's, it's a terrifying thought, but I think that, you know, one thing that just grieves my heart is the people who have no, foundation of belief for what happens after, you know, for the hope yes. of heaven and eternity. And I think that's kind of leaning into our conversation today. You know, what a a powerful reminder for you as you're saying to look at your children and your wife and say, wow, like life truly is fleeting and there is hope. There is hope in eternity. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to also make the most of the time that I do have here as a ministry to my kids. Can you talk a little bit about what it means to you to build a family of faith? What prompted you to write this book? Why is this topic important to you?
2: When you go through tough times, if your foundation, your community, your immediate family is close, you really feel like, man, okay, I can do this. I Mm -hmm. can get through this. And then the additional community that's around you, if you have that, awesome. But that foundational rock, that family, we want to make sure we have that. And we're a fun bunch. We're a fun bunch. Yeah. <laughs> a <big> <laughs> we have fun. We can make anything competitive. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild like that. But um, I think the biggest thing was when the pandemic hit, when it was official. There was a moment when I went outside. And there was so many people walking around like on a Tuesday and it mm-hmm. felt like the holidays mm-hmm. and it just felt weird mm-hmm. because typically people would be at work or somewhere else. And I started connecting with people on a daily basis and I started walking trails and you start seeing the same faces and same people and have conversations. And then over time, months, a lot of those conversations started turning into Moments of pain, Mm. their families are getting on their nerves, they're depressed, their relationships are going through a lot of turmoil, people are breaking up, Mm. the beginnings of divorce. It was so sad because I'm thinking to myself, okay, I started work on March 1st, on March 12th, I was sent home because of this pandemic and was furloughed Mm. and I'm working at home. And I was loving it. I was loving the fact that I could be home with my family, have some flexibility. The only thing that was crazy was that we were forced to homeschool. <laughs> we're <not> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: we did that too. <laughs> it was a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we had to navigate through that. But it was cool being, you know, the kid's PE coach <laughs> and you know, having these interactions throughout the day, seeing my family, but then still getting work done and getting things taken care of. And I was just loving it. But my heart broke for so many people who were hating it, couldn't stand it, and families were breaking up. Hmm. And I was like, wow, families really need some type of, like, template or something to kind of help them fall in love with being around each other. And so I wanted to create something that would – you know, draw their fa- families near to each other, like closer, and do that. Not, And I wanted to make the Bible fun, because these stories, there's so much in this word and in this Bible, a lot of people think of the Bible as finger pointing, saying, don't do this. Yeah. And it's so much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. The Bible has so many crazy, ratchet stories as well. <laughs> <laughs> <It does. laughs> i mean they could make movies that would blow your mind that's which, true uh, you know if yeah. you dive in and dig into the word and why wouldn't you want to get to know the architect of who you are the creator the person who brought you in this world and has your plan and design all mapped out why wouldn't you want to get to know that person
1: yeah
2: Then, if you get to know that person, you get to know yourself better than you could even ever figure yourself out. Mm -hmm. And so, I wanted to be able to take the complexities of the Bible. And, you know, when you hear theologians speak, and if it seems like a whole different language, find a way to make it palatable and a fun way for you to get the Bible, spend time with your family build community. So when you open up this devotional, you're really setting the tone and place at your house for you to invite God in. Mm. And that's the whole goal is to be able to invite God into your family moments, have fun learning about who God is, and then watch him transform and change your life.
1: Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. I feel one thing that you said, Andy, just in kind of going back to the COVID situation and seeing so many families who are like, wait, I'm realizing I don't actually enjoy my family. And I know that nobody would ever actually want to admit that out loud. Right. Right. But, um, it can be so difficult. And as you say, you know, we're tight knit, we have fun. You know, I, I can imagine some people's hearts who are like, gosh, I didn't grow up in a family that I could enjoy. And now it just feels kind of like legalism or rules or just constant structure and, and discipline and obedience. How do you find the balance? I would say with respect and discipline and fun and implement them all into your home.
2: The biggest thing I would say is humility Mm. guys. That is one of the hardest things to implement in your own life, being able to push pride aside, knowing that you're not perfect, we're not perfect. No family's going to be perfect. No person is perfect outside of Jesus. And there's times you just have to, you know. Sometimes I've had to apologize to my kids.
1: Yeah, me too.
2: Lots. I've had to <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. all the time. You know, like,
2: <laughs> I mean, just a couple weeks ago. I was just dealing with so much. I was annoyed. I was frustrated. And you know those days where it just was like nothing's going right and you need a moment. And I walked through the door all four of the kids. are like, Dad, can I have this? Can I do this? Can you get me? And I was like, <laughs> oh, give Dad a moment, please. Yeah. You know. And then um, my wife's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm annoyed. And she's like, are you annoyed with us? And it's just like, no, I'm just annoyed. Mm -hmm. But still, I had to, they saw that, but I also had to come back out there. I had to walk out of this man cave, walk out (laughs) the living room, and like, hey, kids, family, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Dad was just frustrated. I was dealing, you know, showing that you can not be too too prideful, or
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, too cool to apologize to your kids and let them in and apologize to your spouse or whoever. And know and remember that man, I need God daily, mm-hmm. I need Jesus daily in my life to help me navigate through all the crazy stuff that's going on in our world. And then the way our world's set up, there's so much stress that you're trying to bat down and combat. So I would just say, be intentional with your daily task, be intentional with spending time with your family, but be intentional with being humble, not false humble, not that fake stuff out there. I'm talking about let God change you from the inside and help you not take everything so serious but realize there is a seriousness about life. Yeah. But you are a regular human being. I'm a regular human being. We're not gods. We're not above anyone no. else. I <laughs> <Not laughs> even <know>? close. <laughs> not even close. So when you realize that and that, you know, things are going to happen in your families, but if your heart is to be close to your family and that, that takes you. That's going to take you wanting to have a closer family.
1: (laughs) No, I love that. And I I love because the truth is, is that so often I think the enemy keeps us stuck in when we're not willing to ask for forgiveness or we're not willing to own our junk and we Mm -hmm. instead point fingers or we just are like, okay, I'm going to just move on from this. I'm going to pretend it didn't happen. Wipe it under the rug. But the problem with that is that you still live in that bondage of shame or guilt or regret Or bitterness toward the people that you're annoyed at, but when you take the moment to repent and you ask for that forgiveness and and you lift your heart to God and say, "Okay, God, replace this anger, this annoyance, or frustration that we're all bound to have as parents, replace that with the grace and the compassion and the understanding that only comes from the Spirit." I think in those moments, it frees us from staying stuck in that place and then allows us to have fun and allows us to move forward and also allows our children to move forward because we don't really grasp. I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old and mm-hmm. it blows my mind every time I sit and really mostly my seven-year-old who's like building that personality now, but just right, sit yeah. and hear his thoughts, like how deep they truly are and how introspective and observant he is. And um, taking the time to hear him, like I, it, it makes me realize that the things I say don't just go away, right? They don't just go over their heads. They don't just move on with their lives. They stick with them, just as think hurtful things or hurtful actions stick with me. And so, it's building that respect with our children, and that repentance really is one of the first steps. And so, I, one of my favorite things about your book, Building a Family of Faith, is that you have conversation starters with your kids. And my listeners know how important it is to our home to really lean into emotional intelligence in our family, you know, and to give our children a voice. And so I would love to hear from you, you know, what are some of the questions and prompts maybe that you have in your own family that gives your kids a voice about the structure of your home or a voice about the decisions that you make in a way that makes them feel like, They're heard and they're seen and they're important within the, your family circle.
2: One of the things that I, my wife and I have implemented when we pick them up from school, right? Sometimes you can get in a habit and say, "How's your day? You know, the thing that we twisted it with was, all right, guys, give us your highs and lows of today. Mm -hmm. Simple, but it makes them think about the lowest and we always end on a high. And if you don't have a low, that's okay. We could just give us the high. Mm -hmm. And so you start off with a low point of your day and then end with the highest point of your day. So what that does, it opens them up to think about what was the lowest point of my day? And then they tell you the highest point. And then now I have a, if they do have a low that maybe I can, so why did that happen? Or why was that the lowest point? It's just a conversation starter without it being I don't know weird and having to like pull and tug you know yeah and that's one that's one way that we do it and we'll if we don't do it in a car because of time or if I'm on the phone then we do it at dinner Mm -hmm. or before bed and we make sure you know right before bed we pray together and so just like you were talking about how introspective kids are hearing them ask for prayer request, yeah. or even how they pray is so pure, straight to the point, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so being able to ask those questions allows them to, you know, start being thinkers. Yeah. And bring about their answers. And sometimes they may not have an answer and you have to just be patient and just be okay with, there's nothing to talk about right now. Mm-hmm. But creating that safe space at a very young age will be great for the future. So then they'll know they can talk to mom and dad.
1: Yeah, that's so good. Well, and we think about that a lot. You know, what kind of relationship do we want to have with our kids in 10, 15 years? Because- Mm -hmm so much of what we're doing now really fosters that type of relationship in the future. You mentioned having fun. My husband, he comes from a big Hispanic family, you know, and so we're always together and like playing games, card games, or water fights. I feel like the kids not only seeing our tight knit family and the way that even though we all have very different personalities, very different way of doing ways of doing things that they still see us consistently coming together in some capacity and, and relying on one another. And even if you come from a small family or if you don't have siblings, you know, your church family or your community staying consistent in that. And it really gives that example to our children to see how communication is lived out. Respect is lived out. Servanthood is lived out. What's interesting is in European culture, kids Mm -hmm. go everywhere with their parents. Like they're, they're children. They're allowed to be fun and noisy and respectful. They're also expected to be respectful, but they're Mm -hmm. an integral part of society. And I feel like in America, there's this mindset of be quiet, sit still, don't talk. And it really hinders and limits our children from not only like learning how to navigate these emotions and, and, um, excitement and joy, and it stifles it. As you're saying, Andy, the family unit is so crucial and we don't realize what a safe space we are to these kids. That safe space comes from knowing and loving Jesus and having the self-awareness and the willingness to, to examine the junk in our own lives, as I said before. So you've had experience as a pastor, you have experience as a father of four kids. For you, what is the difference a family between a family who may focus more on legalism or, you know, just Sunday church services rather than being a family who knows and has a relationship with Jesus every single moment of the day and, and relies on him as a family. Like what, what's the difference there and how does it impact your home?
2: Yeah. The difference is it feels as if this is just something I have to do versus something I get to do. You yeah. know I have to go to church. I have to do this. I have to go here. That is not going to be attractive to the kids. Mm-hmm. That's not attractive to a lot of people. Period. When you're just going in to work at a job that you don't like and you're just checking in and checking out, you're not giving your all. You're not even really truly present. You you're getting to work looking forward to the end of the day. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And Versus being able to live out the Christian lifestyle, letting them be able to see the good and bad days, what it's like to actually create a lifestyle that is centered around Jesus. Mm -hmm. Where I look at it as, you know, I just had a cheesecake the other day, or (laughs) you can think of a pie, right? Take a circle pie in the middle. If it's like an apple pie, the middle where the apple, the goodness in the middle of the pie is. <laughs> it's
1: always the best part. <laughs> that's the best part, right?
2: <laughs> but imagine that that is Jesus in the middle of that entire pie. You slice up the pie and one slice is work. One slice is your maybe your hobbies. One slice is social media. One slice is whatever. Hmm. You could pull each slice out and still God is in the center of all of that every single slice Mm -hmm. where if that's the mentality of your, your life, where God's in the center of your conversations, God's in the center of how you do life, then your kids get to see it. They don't just see it at church. They don't just see it as, Oh, we only go to church and that's where we serve God. And then when we get back in the car, there's nothing but arguments and pain, you know, Mm -hmm. they get to see When you live it out on a regular basis, they get to see that their mom and dad prays together. They get to see that we pray as a family. We still have fun. But if you get out of line or say certain things that's not godly to your siblings, we're going to have a conversation about that. We're going to talk about that. Being able to model it through your life is impactful, way more impactful, because a lot of things are caught more than they're just taught. You can tell Mm -hmm. them not to do that. But if they see that you don't do that, they're going to pick up on that quicker than they would just being told, don't do that. Mm
1: -hmm. Good. Yeah. Do you have anything from your childhood? um, And I like I just love gleaning from people and their experiences. But is there anything from your childhood And your relationship with your family that really resonated with you and that you pulled in to your own family as a father, like whether it's traditions or whether it's a way of, of doing things. For example, for me, you know, I really learned apology from my stepdad. Um, Mm -hmm. He would come to me and he would sit down and just say, I was wrong. Like, yes, you're a teenager. Yes. You're a brat. He wouldn't say that, but I was, (laughs) and, but I am sorry for my wrongdoing, you know? And it was like a shock to me because he was respecting me. And so that's, as we talked about, something I have pulled in um, to my relationship with my kids. And, you know, my mom always sat down at the table with us every meal, every dinner, like no matter what, we had dinner, we all sat together and talked. And so those are things, you know, I, I saw in my family that I loved and I pulled in. Do you have anything that you were like, I want this to be a part of my family that you experienced as a kid.
2: Yeah, there's two things. And we've implemented, you know, these things just in our new generation version. Yeah.
1: But, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> my dad, my mom and dad, we did TGIF. Thank God mm-hmm. it's Friday. We used to watch all the TV shows that were lined up. And it was a time where we knew we were going to get pizza or have yeah. Doritos or whatever it is. As a family, sit down, watch TV, hang out, laugh together, have fun. I a-
1: loved TGIF. I, what? that was like my, everything I looked forward to all week. Yeah, <laughs> that The show lineup was so good.
2: It was, it was, <laughs> I mean, it was like the best lineup yeah. ever. And we looked forward to it. We couldn't wait. So for our family, we have a thing called Um Friday family fun night.
1: Mm,
2: So what we do, the kids, we take them to the dollar store. They get to pick out whatever candy they want. That's smart. Super cheap. (laughs) They think they're going to the movie. (laughs) They're getting their candy. And we're like, we're just making it huge, right? Mm -hmm. We're making this this big deal. They get their candy, they come home, and, and each week, each one of us get to choose a movie. So already like today's Thursday, they were talking about it on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. You're going to pick dad because today this week is my week, you know? So it's something they're excited about. So it was TGIF with my family. It's Friday family fun night with us and we've changed it around. And then the other thing that sticks out to me was, wow, my father would sit and listen Mm. instead of just listening to speak. My dad would actually listen, take in the information, and then answer. My dad was so good with that. Mm. And that's something I'm trying to implement and be better at for sure and create that in our home so that we listen to each other. We don't just you know, speak out of wanting to rebuttal. No, listen to the person, hear them out. Because guess what? If you actually hear them, you may not have to speak next. Maybe it's mm-hmm. something for you to just receive, take heed, and apologize for.
1: Yeah, that's you so know? good. So yeah. Just being a
2: better listener was something my dad was so amazing about. That's why I I miss him right now during this whole book drop. To be able to, you know, he asked great questions. Mm-hmm. But he's really asking these questions to hear me out. Mm-hmm. And I know he would have had great questions about this process and mm-hmm. how I'm feeling, and he would actually hear me out and then give me good wisdom. Mm-hmm. So being able to hear people and listen to them could actually give you an opportunity to really have an impact on someone's life when you're not thinking about yourself. The
1: next thing that you want to say. Uh, well, and I I feel like a good listener, anyone that I've ever known who has been a good listener is equally a caring and compassionate person because it takes selflessness to 100. listen right and to not be caught up in your head and it takes intentionality like my personality my head is in a thousand places at a million miles an hour all the time mm-hmm. right and so like this job i mean it's really been very good practice for me for the past 3 years to cut everything out shut my phone off you know and just hear people because it's not natural for me like it's not natural for me but i so admire m- people men like your dad who are willing to let somebody finish a thought who are yeah. willing to let someone um and it's e- even on the podcast you know in the past i've been called out like you talk over people and i'm like i'm excited i'm sorry <laughs> but I, i'm sorry i'm working on it you know um so for my <laughs> listeners i really am sorry i'm trying to get better but but I, I admire it. Like I, it's something that I just aspire to so much because I, I know, you know, you see Jesus and the woman at the well, and he just hears her out, you know, and he, he doesn't immediately call her to repentance. it It's just, it's this slowness mm-hmm. and this way of Christ. It is the way it's following his way, the way that he lived his character and not just, you know, be slow to speak and quick to listen, as the command, which is important, but even more so it's like, gosh, to look at the people who do it well and who do it wisely and to then have that opportunity to do that with our children and to allow them to be the kids at school who are compassionate and, and slow, like slow to, to truly just be present with people in a world where presence just doesn't even exist anymore. You know, distraction is, is everything.
2: I was even forced and I have those moments quite a bit. Just yesterday alone, I've actually I had a, a moment to sit down and, like, turn on my PS5. And I'm like, I'm going to play a game of Madden online. And <laughs> I am playing. And then I hear a little knock on the door. It's my daughter. She, Dad, can I talk to you really quick? And I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, asking me a question. And I had to make sure, like, I turned my brain off from the game really quick to hear her out and truly hear her out, mm. to answer, and then go back. And she did, like, did that three times. I thought about it last night. I felt great because that showed me, like, she just feels comfortable coming to me asking me questions Yeah, and it was I mean she was in tears about Mm -hmm. some things that she was Mm -hmm. dealing with and she's only seven Yeah, but it made me realize okay I really want to be that safe space and that listener for my kids that they would know that they could come to dad and Mm -hmm. be able to you know ask or speak to me and know that I'm gonna actually hear them out and I just Mm -hmm. think if we all can try to have that heart towards our, towards people, that changes a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. I feel like it's just so encouraging to hear you speak, Andy, because I feel just as men, I I genuinely believe this generation is working harder to be good uh-huh. parents. Like we really are in our neighborhood. You know, we've been so blessed to come. We recently moved near Nashville, and mm-hmm. our community is just these dads, like even more than the moms, you know, are outside with their kids. And the second, like you see them drive up, they get out of the car with their suit on, get inside, get their like athletic gear on. And they come out and they play soccer or football with their kids and ride bikes or whatever, even like, you know, just going running together with their kids. And Mm -hmm. from where I'm from, I didn't see that a lot. It was, everyone was inside their homes. Everyone was isolated, kind of like during covid Mm-hmm. but it was just permanent. And so <laughs> seeing, yeah. seeing that is so encouraging. And, and just to hear you speak, you know, like you, you love your wife well, and you love your kids with intentionality and you have this amazing career that most people would kill for. Right. And, mm-hmm. and just having the the balance that you've created that doesn't come naturally Because balance doesn't exist, right? It doesn't come naturally to anybody. It only comes with intentionality and purpose and Mm -hmm. focus and diligence. And so just to see you pouring that in, but not only pouring that in, but encouraging other men and other families to step up in that. You know, my husband, I always tell people, he's the kindest man I've ever met and the most patient and like present man I've ever met. And it's just been so encouraging to me to see that he's not alone in that, you know, cause you hear a lot of horror stories from women whose husbands right. are act like children. And, and I mean, women are nagging and complaining yeah. and like there's, it goes both ways for sure. But it's just truly for me, like it just encourages my heart to see what you're doing and mm-hmm. genuinely your book. Like I, I feel that it's so impactful because it's practical, you know, it's mm-hmm. implementable. And for those families who come from a home where they don't even know how to begin having conversations with their kids or building a fun home, you're giving them the tools to do so. So just in closing, I'd like to hear for you as our listeners go to purchase Building a Family of Faith and read through it. What is your one hope? What is one thing that you really pray that they get out of this book?
2: Yes. The one thing that's that would just make my heart smile is that this would be the first steps to bring families closer together Hmm. as they're drawing nearer to God, but it starts to ignite a desire and passion to just want to authentically and genuinely just be around family more. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to hear the stories that come from this book that man, this brought our family closer. We had fun doing this. We got to learn about who Jesus is and what he expects of us, what he thinks of us, how he loves us, how he views us. And I, I just pray that the fact that you're going to set the table and invite Jesus into your home and into your family space, that he'll come in and transform your family and transform the desires where kids are falling in love with wanting to read their Bible, Mm -hmm. where kids are wanting to pray and ask deep, questions. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, you don't have to stress over it because you're not the savior. All you're doing is inviting the savior in to be able to help bring your families closer and draw you guys nearer to God mm-hmm. and to hear the stories after a year, what it does for them.
1: Mm-hmm. So good. Well, I'm so excited for you. Congratulations. I know Gosh, what a whirlwind. Um, my heart just, I, my heart aches for you and for your wife and we will be praying. My husband and I will be praying. And I ask our audience, you know, just to pray for healing for you all and, and truly for slowness for you to have the time to process and to grieve because Mm -hmm. that's obviously this is like, it's such a bittersweet experience for you. And I feel like God comes in, in those moments, you know, he's like, I know that this is, painfully hard, but look at what an impact you're making Andy on these families around the world. What a beautiful gift. And, um, so I'm just encouraged by you. I'm encouraged that you're showing up and proclaiming Jesus and hope and faith in the midst of pain and trial, because that is something that speaks volumes to the world that you're not saying, you know, how could God ever do this to me? Even if you ask those questions, even if we have those moments, like God, how could you let this happen? That honesty and that clarity with him, but that you still trust him with your life and with everything that you are. It's just, it's a beautiful example.
2: Thank you so much. That truly means a lot. I appreciate you and I'm honored that you have me on the show.
1: Yeah, of course. All right. And for our listeners, um, if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to share it on social, share it on stories or share it with a friend or family member who might need some encouragement with anything in life, with their faith, with their families, with grief. And um, if you enjoy this, be sure to go and purchase building a family of faith. It's linked in our show notes and we love you guys. We're so thankful for you. We are so thankful for your hearts and just pray that you really, truly lean into what it means to build a family of faith and to have that solid foundation in your home to be an example and a ministry to those people in your community and outside of your life. We love you and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.